looked like a human being, and if you had taken his skin and burnt it to a char, it looked like that. He was truly looking at me like he didn't want me there, and he hated me, and he was going to come after me. And this thing launched in this gigantic fit of rage and began running all over that island, screaming and hollering the whole time. This is the Cryptic Creatures Podcast, coming to you live from the Midwest Annual Paranormal Festival. And uh, with us right now, in person... It's Frank Bennett. Um, he's an author of The Paranormal. How you Frank? doing, Frank? No, my stunt double was supposed to be here, but he didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have to get the so real thing, like it or not, baby. That's awesome. Right. We'll take it. it. We'll take it. Welcome, welcome, man, and thanks for coming on. It, it is my honor. Oh, it's our oh, honor. Oh, it's our it's honor. Sure. Yeah. Oh, you guys. Doing this live here at uh, Joining us live. the festival. Yeah, this is, this is great. On this You've beautiful got a, You've got a little booth set up over there with some books. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, what you got going on? Yeah, I got on. a little booth. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It's not the measure of a man, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice booth. <laughs> you kind of got <clears throat> stuck by the door. You kind of, the greeter is yeah, what I call think you. Yeah, the, they think I'm the concierge. <laughs> and believe me, I'm not somebody you want to give that job to. I'll well, have them so hunting in Alabama for things. You've been doing good you know? so far from what oh, we're gathering. Yeah. Yeah, but nobody's been running out of here screaming. So. And I can tell you it's not a paying job. No. <laughs> oh, it's not? We're not getting paid for this? No. Shit. No, it's, it's kind of big time, small time, right. if right. you would think about it. Exactly. So what books you got going on over there? So well, I'm, I'm most known for the book Encounter with the Aberdeen Wildland, A True Story, which was published in 2014, that accounts my actual encounters and experiences with strange, bizarre, paranormal beings and creatures growing up in Maryland back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, which was the best time to grow up. Oh, yeah. in, ba- in the area of Maryland and Baltimore in the 6, 7, 8. But the Aberdeen Wild Man is actually a humanoid creature I encountered on the shores of the Chesapeake Bay nearby where I lived at back in February of 1980. And I encountered something that I would first thought was a man because, you know, it's not, it's not uncommon for people to roam the woods or maybe go on a bad drug trip, get drunk, sleep it off in the woods. That happens a lot, especially in the 70s. Oh, yeah. You saw that a lot. Yeah. And... and you know, I'm out there in the marshes. It's the coldest day of the year. Everything was froze over, and I thought it would be really fun to just, instead of sitting at home being a teenager, watching TV, where there's over one billion soap operas on TV, and if it's not that, it's game shows, teenagers will go outside and play in whatever weather conditions they are, yes. or do God knows what. Back in the old days. Yeah. They used to. Yeah, they used to. In the to. days of yore. Uh, I ran out and decided, hey, it'd be cool to get on one of the local frozen rivers and follow it all the way down to the Chesapeake Bay. You see, back then, that was our version of Nintendo. Uh-huh. Yeah, outside. <laughs> you see. And so I got on a local river, followed it about uh, five miles until the ice got too thin, and I about broke through and scurried up onto the shoreline. And I'm in the middle of the marshes in the Chesapeake Bay. And... Uh, you know, bad enough, my pants leg is wet, and it's nine degree, eight, nine degrees outside. But, you know, I'm miles from home. Might as well finish the, ch- the, uh, the trip. And I just wanted to walk as far as I possibly can before I ran out of land. That was it. 
All right. That was that. Like I said, our version of Nintendo. And uh, out in the marshes of the Chesapeake Bay, there are these little islands that used to be joined at one time to the mainland. And I walked past one of these islands. It's about the width of a football field and the length of two football fields. And I just walked past it, and I got about maybe 100, 150 feet further until I ran out of land. And I'm standing there enjoying all of God's creation. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny day, coldest day of the year. Uh, and I could hear the whistling past me, and I could see the birds flying. And I got this strange feeling that I wasn't there by myself. I got a very powerful feeling in a sense that something else was there. And it's, I've been in the woods and the marshes before. I've never felt this before. And in the same instant, I felt that I'm standing there watching the birds, and I realize I could see them, but I can't hear them anymore. And out of my peripheral vision, I could see the grass whistling past me in the breeze, but I can't hear it. And in that instant, whatever was behind me got very intense, felt like it was rushing up upon me, actually. And it caused me to turn around, and when I did, I was looking at this small island I walked past. And through the brush, I noticed there was a man staring at me through the, through the brush. And at first, I thought it was a black man. It looked like a human being, and if you had taken his skin and burnt it to a char, it looked like that. Wow. And he had these very big, round eyes, almost perfectly round, very small pupils, and I couldn't make out the nose. The mouth was very small and pursed, and he was really looking at me like he didn't want me there, and he hated me, and he was going to come after me. Really had that look about him. And I still, to this day, I remember seeing sunlight reflecting off the top of his forehead. Beautiful, bright, sunny day, like I said. And, you know, I'm just a young, dumb kid. I'm only 17 years old. And I didn't know my you-know-what from a hole in the ground. Not sure if I still do. Mm -hmm. And, And... I didn't know what to make of this. And like I said before, it's not unusual for, for, for dudes to, you know, get all strung out on things or drunk and go in the woods and sleep it off. You don't know if you're up against some crazy guy on PCP. Right. You just don't. And that's how I saw it. And we stared at each other for probably a solid minute. And then I got a little antsy about what was going to happen. It's like, you know the fight's coming. You don't, the waiting is worse than getting into it. It's that thing. And so I got antsy, and I had, a, I had a knife on my belt. And so I put my hand on the handle of the knife. And this thing launched in this gigantic fit of rage and began running all over that island, screaming and hollering the whole time. And it was not the voice of an ape. It was like the voice of a deeply-throated man. And through the breaks in the thickets, I could see him better. He actually had on a, he actually had on a white button-down shirt and blue pants. Now, it's nine de- eight, nine degrees outside. I'm wearing my B-52 flight jacket, jeans. I'm dressed for the occasion. He's only wearing a button-down shirt and blue slacks. And I never saw breath. Not wait, once. Wait a minute. You're telling me, you're saying the creature that you saw that you were staring at had clothes on? Clothes on. Okay. And... I, like I said, I was dressed for the occasion. He looked like he just ste- stepped out of a limo. He was clean. He was wearing on a white button-down shirt, and it was squeaky clean. Pants, clean. And I could not make out the hands and the feet. He was moving too fast. And then after about 45 seconds to a minute, this died down, and he reappeared back in the same spot that he was before. And he stared at me for probably five solid seconds, Up to this point, you would have had me convinced I was just looking at some dude, a man. And then I watched him make a vertical leap of more than 15 feet 
into the branches of the trees overhead, scurry up about another 50, 60, 70 feet, and proceed to run through the trees, screaming and hollering like an ape. There is no creature in nature capable of a 15-foot vertical leap. There's also an extremely tiny handful of creatures in nature capable of scurrying through tree branches, and humans are not on either one of those lists. Okay, but you still got me lost with wearing the clothes. I don't get that. I don't get that. And it's been 40, 40, how, 41 how, years, and I don't get that. How tall was this thing that you saw? Good question. I'm, I'm going to circle back to that. All right. Because I, I got an answer to it. This proceeded... I'm standing there. I, got no, I can't move. I've got water behind me. I can't go. And the only way out is to walk past that island he's on. And I was scared to death. And this goes on for probably a solid minute. And I'm standing there watching these big locust trees and cedar trees pitching back and forth by the weight of them. So there was that physicality and weight to it. And this goes on for a good while. And then eventually he disappears along the tree line in the back of the island. And I don't hear anything out of him for a while. And then a very odd thing happened. Nature came back. I could hear the birds again. And I could hear the, gra uh, the wind whistling through the grass, the tall grass next to me. Everything came back. And then after that, I could hear the telltale signs of his presence on the farms that circled, you know, that, you know, were, you know, circled the marshes. The dogs were going off one farm after another in, in line as if it was running through those farms, one by one. After a while and after things were quiet, I kind of felt maybe it's safe to start moving again. So I kind of hugged the, the, the coastline a little bit of the marshes. Thank God everything was frozen, because if you do that in the summertime, it just caves away. Mm -hmm. But it was solid ground in the winter. Uh, also in the summertime, you know, there are, there are holes you can fall into in the marshes. <laughs> yeah. So I was just grateful it was frozen ground. And there's a point where the marsh kind of gives way to the woods. And the trees start getting taller and taller. And that was at the point that I started hearing something walking behind me. And I would walk a few feet, and I would hear behind me footsteps, you know, press downs in the, in the, in the, uh, in the thickets. And a few steps at a time, and I turn around, there's nothing there. I scan the trees and everything, not even birds, there's nothing there. And I walk a little bit further, more steps. Stop, look, nothing. And this goes on for two and a half miles. Whatever that was followed me all the way out to the highway, two and a half miles. And that was my encounter with the Aberdeen Wild Band. Wow. So what, how tall did you think this thing was then? A week late, uh, two weeks later, I didn't dare tell anybody because back then people were, if you think they're judgmental now, they're twice as judgmental back then. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a Catholic family, and we, did, we weren't the Brady Bunch. We didn't discuss things like that. Mm -hmm. so, but I did have friends. And at a nightclub I was going to at the time, uh, I told one of the bouncers who was a really good friend of mine named Mike. Mike was about 6'1", and we worked out together. You know, we were both gym, gym monkeys, okay? And uh, uh, Mike wanted to go see it, so I took Mike back there because there's no way on this God's green earth I'm going back there by myself. Uh-uh. And I had Mike stand in the same places that it did, and ran about 6'1", about, about Mike's size. That was about the size of the creature. How hairy would you say this, this guy or this creature, this wild man I did was? not at any time see hair. No hair at all? Whatsoever. But it was performing feats 
uh, unknowns to man and screaming and yelling and carrying on. Behaving as a beast, so you performing superhuman feats, but it, it's only human in, appear, in appear, uh, appearance. You wouldn't classify this as Bigfoot, then? Not at all. I can't. The, I've studied the Sasquatch extensively for the sake of writing the book, and to do so, I had to examine over a thousand individual Sasquatch encounters. You notice I don't call it the Bigfoot. The Indians called it the Sasquatch, and I learned by study that that's the proper name. Right. And it's called Sasquatch for a reason. Um, but I studied over, over a thousand individual Sasquatch encounters, close up. Far away is different. There's th in, in humans, there's a psychology at work. There's a psychology at work in the paranormal. And I'll get to that in a bit. But the Sasquatch close up plays much differently on the human psyche than it does from far away. I'm sure. And something that I noticed in examining those encounters, in each and every one of them, without fail, the Sasquatch is always taller than the person observing it. Oh, yeah. Now, think about it for a second. If you're an experienced hunter and you go in the woods, you, that, that's a, you can equate that to coming out with a five-point buck each and every time. If you go around the lake and cast your rod, that equates to pulling in legal catch each and every time. Those are the odds of encountering a creature reported anywhere from 7 to 13 feet high. But in all 100% of the, the ones I studied, it's always taller than the observer. Yeah. I mean, they're just tall. And some very big people have seen Sasquatch. Right, right. That is true. So, I mean, when you say we talk, we're, we're talking wild, man. I mean, do you think this, would you say it was more human than, than animal? I can't say that. It had its appearance and it had its capabilities and outside of that. But you see, the reason why the Aberdeen Wild Man is a central character of my book, Encounter with the Aberdeen Wild Man, a true story, cheap plug, is that, yeah. <laughs> is that I felt his presence before I saw it. So in order to, you don't sense the bear, though some hunters say you do. You don't sense the bear, you don't sense the deer. Right. I, you know, I, for a while I worked as a security officer for a ski resort in Pennsylvania. You can actually, you can spot, you can use your light, shine it in the deer's eyes, walk up to it and tap it on its nose, it'll snort and run away from you. But the whole time you're doing it, you don't sense its presence. It doesn't have it. But I sensed this thing's presence before I saw it. Mm -hmm. So it had a strong spiritual sense to it. And as we all know in the paranormal, there's different flavors to spiritual senses. Not everybody senses the same way. Not everybody feels the same way. They have flavors to them. This had a flavor to it. Mm -hmm. It's palpable. And where I've never encountered anything like it since, by the way. Where do you think this thing lived? I don't think it lived. I don't believe it lived at all. You know, Mike and I went back. You we think it was paranormal? It had to be. Absolutely had to be. There's no if, ands, or buts about it because in order to be a living human being, there's a certain kind, you have to meet a certain criteria. And what I watched this thing do does not fall into that criteria. Mm -hmm. Now, that would take me to another subject that I can get into in a second called lycanthropy. But to wrap up the thing about its habitat, uh, and by the way, every creature in nature has a habitat. The Sasquatch does not. That's suspicious all to itself. 
but Mike and I examined that island and outside of the presence of what was once a foundation, you see it used to be joined to the mainland a long, long time ago, about 200 years before, and there was uh, actually building and structure there, but it had long since been cut off from the mainland and nothing's lived there. That's all you found. No tracks because everything was frozen. Gotcha. But this takes me to a topic called lycanthropy. And in lycanthropy, this is where powerful spiritual forces alter the physical and mental nature of a living thing. And sometimes even a non-animate object, inanimate object. And I liken that to the book of Mark chapter 8. As a Bible teacher, the first place I went looking for the paranormal was scripture. Mm -hmm. And it did not disappoint. What they have in common is, is that in the book of Mark chapter 8, this is where Jesus crosses the Galilee and he encounters the man beset by many devils. And you see, up until that point, the people of the local village attempted to restrain this man because he was deranged. For one thing, he was naked. He ran around naked. He would roam the hills at night crying in pain. He would cut himself and he would wander among the tombs and sleep among the dead. And um, they would try to restrain him and put bands on him, you know, iron, iron bars and shackles, and he would break them. He was that strong. And he was physically disfigured. He sees Jesus and runs to Jesus. And this is what's telling. He begs Jesus not to torment us. Not me, us. But he knew who Jesus was, having never seen Jesus. Mm -hmm. Huh. And what's telling next is what Jesus says. What is your name? And he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And if anybody remembers, Legion defined, in Jesus' time, the Roman army, a company of soldiers numbering more than 5,000 men is called a legion. Mm -hmm. So this poor man, deranged, out of his mind, being driven to the point of insanity, contained one strong entity comprised of more than 5,000 entities. And they all had one job, and that was to create insanity. How do I know that? Is what happened next. They begged Jesus to not cast them into the far country. Instead, put us into this herd of swine, pigs. And Jesus allows this. And if anybody listening recalls, what did the pigs do immediately after that happened? You got me. I don't know. This is the Je <laughs> you play the Jeopardy theme. If you know, if you could afford the licensing, oh, the you play the Jeopardy theme. They immediately committed suicide. You have to understand that humans are the only mammals in nature who willfully commit suicide. There are species that that are allowed to be killed in the mating rituals and stuff like that. Humans are the only species that intelligently commit suicide. Swine are also so, not in that list. But how do they commit suicide is my question. Well, there's the, re there's the rub. <laughs> These spirits all had one job. Think about it for a second. Who talks like that anyways? Who says, I am legion for we are many? Who says that? Who talks like that? Right. The military. I am company, company D. I am Army Corps. I am Demolition Corps. I am. Because when you, when you join the military... You're not John. You're soldier number blah, 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 company H. Right. And company H does demolition. That's who you are. And yeah. in Catholicism, they break, 
they break the, um, the, the spirit world into hierarchies and military hierarchies, things like that. And the big spirit that answered on their behalf is the general commander of that company. And like I said, in the military, you have a job. Demolition, ordnance, supply, whatever. That's your job. They cause insanity. And this poor man had over 5,000 individual spirits all trying to cause insanity. Now, humans are different from ma other mammals. We have intelligence. We rationalize. We reason. Uh, lesser mammals, such as especially swine, they do not. They operate on the instinct. And when they inhabited the swine, their instincts told them to kill themselves. So you're talking about possession. That's a form of wow. possession. That's right. You're talking about possession. And maybe this person that you saw, albeit his face was, uh, like you described it, uh, different than human, but human-looking. Uh, well, in, in lycanthropy, we get that term from ancient Greece because there was a race of people back then who existed in the far northern uh, uh, territory called Thrace, called the Lycans. And the Lycans were said to change form during certain phases of the celestial cycle. Not necessarily just the moon, but the celestial cycles. And they were transformed into beasts. Not just, were, not just wolves, but beasts. Mm -hmm. That's where we get that from. And so... We have it in history that powerful spiritual forces can alter the physical nature of living things. Yeah. So all of these people who have been shooting at Bigfoot and bringing back these skin samples, and these skin samples render either bare or indeterminate, may have been actually shooting at a bear, which was transformed at the time to appear as a Sasquatch. Okay. A possessed animal right, resembling another creature. Possessed by thousands upon thousands of spirits, all with one goal in mind, to transform them into something they are not. Interesting. Maybe that's why the government always tells people, no, that was a bear. That was a bear. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It's yeah. possible. It's possible. And, and big, Bigfoot has been shot by some very, very adept people with a, with a gun. I mean, yeah. you know, oh, not... Yeah. Not well, accidentally or anything like that. I mean, he's been, he's been shot. Yeah. But we've, nobody's ever been remained to be scarfed up. And yeah. outside of the, the scant skin samples, there's nothing else to go on with it. Right. Or it's just covered up, too, by the government, and they do have bodies somewhere. And That's what they do. That's it. what we pay them to do. <laughs> we don't really want to know where Hoffa is. It's just fun to have games with it. Yeah, you know? if we found out, it wouldn't be, any, it wouldn't be with it. Right? So when I'm looking at the Aberdeen Wildman, i got to ask, is this a human being transformed by powerful spiritual forces via lycanthropy to be something he was not created to be, deranged, out of his mind? It sounds like that way. But would that... Would that cause the the, the sound to, to stop? The, would that cause well, now, the environmental I'm, I'm currently working. To that's actually my next book. I'm working on a book now called The Spirit Field. And it's based, prime, you know, starts with my experiences, but interviews with other people who themselves were drawn to me because when I describe the wild man and how it happened, they come up to me and say, you know, it's funny that before I encountered this, uh, I remember being in this strange situation where I could see people talking and I can't hear them. Or I was in this house and I could swear I hear things and see things and they're not there. And the whole thing just felt weird. And then I saw this. And, and the, the point behind the book is that the wild man wasn't the feature. He was kind of like the figure. 
but the actual spirit involved in this, or spirits involved in this, actually exist in a field of energy that extended far, far out from it. And I just happened to have stepped into it. And while I'm in that field, I'm under their influence, so I see what they want me to see, and I hear what they want me to hear. Yeah. You're getting off the grid there because that's some really deep stuff. Yeah. Uh, different levels of, of, of spirituality, <clears throat> if you want to call it that, yeah. uh, realms, so to speak, coming in and out of our realm. Right. I don't understand a bit of it, uh, but I know something's going on, and there's some, some weirdness to it somehow. It's not just black and white like most people think or... You know, people yeah. are taught to believe. Right. Uh, it's just trying to figure out what the hell is it? Why is it happening? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, yeah. What's your <clears throat> thoughts on that? you have any solutions or ideas? I, I am kind of toxic to the paranormal field. is because, unlike, unlike many, I'm not, I'm not driven by the questions. I'm driven by the evidence and the answers. I'm, I come to conclusions, and they, people don't... This is why I was interviewed by the producers of Coast to Coast AM, and ne they didn't put me on, is because I came to conclusions. Mm -hmm. Some people thrive on just continually looking for the answers. The questions. And maybe purposely avoiding the answers. Yeah. Know? Some people don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's how it is. I mean, think about it. How many things would come to a screeching, grinding halt if we finally found the answers? Yeah. A lot. <laughs> Or big changes, I, I always say. Um, you know, we've talked about if Bigfoot existence was proven, how, uh, how, how you know, it would hurt the logging industry, how it would hurt uh, camping industry, tourism. You'd have people out there blasting guns at anybody they saw walking, thinking they were Bigfoot, killing people. They'd just be, uh, it would change religion, possibly. Uh, do so much. The same thing well, you don't know how deep this goes. I'm currently reading a book written by a gentleman in Pennsylvania who went back more than 160 years pulling out newspaper articles from all the individual counties in Pennsylvania where they reported wild men, Bigfoot, shades inspectors, and uh, you know, naked wild men attacking and chasing people going back to the 1840s. Wow. It's always been with all the way up through the 1930s. It has always been with us. Well, we're crazy to think that there's not different sectors of human beings or human-like creatures out there living from deep caves, woods, uh, yeah. to just oh, yeah. some, some actual humans who live in the jungle or live like cavemen that have clothing on, you know, that just are just, that's, that's they're it's, feral. They're it's feral funny you, people. It's funny you bring that up because I actually, when I had the book finished, I was living in Maine at the time. I had to go back and change one chapter, one, one area of the book, because I lived very, you know, the Appalachian Trail terminates in Maine. And at the time I was writing it, stories were coming off the Appalachian Trail of hikers being attacked by wild men, either not clothed at all or scantily clothed, partially wearing moss back, bark attacking people on the Appalachian oh, yeah. Trail. Yeah, there's some backwoods people up there. We've heard them stories. Real backwoods people. Now, Scripture does not have a mechanism to talk about mental illness. Going back to the man beset by many devils, they said that he was deranged. He was not in his right mind. Now, to finish that story, the people of the village, after Jesus had cast all the devils out of them, more than 5,000 strong out of them, the people of the village who before tried to restrain this man came and they found the man clothed sitting at the feet of Jesus and in his right mind because back then they knew what it looked like right. okay yeah 
But this is what powerful spiritual forces can do. They can drive people insane. Yeah. And today, we have people who, through powerful spiritual forces, are driven so deranged that they close up their office at the end of the day, put everything into their car, drive to a local state park, toss all their belongings in it, close the door and lock it, disappear into the forest, and they are never seen again. Yeah. That is happening today. I want to do that sometimes, actually, Frank. To be I feel with like you. that. The food ain't good. I think <laughs> I got to get right in my own mind because I think I've got some spirituality uh, demons going on. Oh, trying yeah, to yeah. Well, you know, there's a, there's another topic that's that's touchy. Is because the word demon doesn't appear in scripture. That's that's a late that's a later addition. And Jesus never cast out a demon. He cast out devils. Yeah, devils. Whatever we want to call them, they're there. Yeah. Well, the reason why scripture calls them devils is because Scripture likes to look at lineage. In other words, what is your descendancy? What is your bloodline? And in the spirit realm, when Jesus calls, when they're called devils, that's because they're in the lineage of Satan. Good and evil. Is that how it works, maybe? Who knows? Well, you can determine it that way. But in scriptural studies, you, you learn that good is a subjective term. Jesus was even asked, when Jesus was referred to by somebody as being... Uh, a good master, he questioned using the term "good." By what by what purpose do you c call me good? So you got to be careful of those terminologies because there are gradations to good and gradations oh, yeah. to evil. Right. You know, evil, believe it or not, is a, such a simple term, but it just simply in the in the in the Hebrew it's the word "ewok" and it means away from God. Okay, it's just huh. such a simple thing. Yeah, and if you apply that logic. So many things are evil. Right. right. So I got to ask you, Frank, have you ever went back to that location and looked for this? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't go looking for it. But you see, I grew up around there. I kayak. Uh, you know, I, take, I've, I took my kayak out back there about five, six years ago and took a lot of pictures that I use now in my DVD produ production um, promotions. And, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of the place. Uh, you know, I'm... I, I even took my wife back there on a, on a hike once, and you know, to her credit, she did it. Cause it's not easy country to walk through, <laughs> and I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of anything yeah. anymore. Actually, I do fear the living. Yeah, uh, because I, I love to tell all. people the living, the living can make you dead. The dead cannot make you living. That's true. <laughs> That's true. At least we hope so. That is true. That's something, yeah. that's something to put out there, man. Well, so buddy, have you had since you're from that area? Have you had other people give you reports of the wild man? Yes. Yeah. Well, so other people have seen it too. I, forgive me if I just glossed right over this, but how did I get the name? Uh, I, about a year later, February of 1981, I'm sitting there watching Saturday Night Live of all things. Awesome. Um, my folks have visitors from the next town up, up, up the highway. Uh, it's a married couple. They're not speaking because they were fighting. <laughs> so the husband, about right. uh, the, you know, the wife was sitting in the kitchen talking to my folks. The husband was sitting out in the living room with me watching Saturday Night Live, just getting some distance. We get in a conversation. He actually was a sergeant at a, near t a nearby military base called the Aberdeen Proving Grounds. It's only about a mile from where this happened. Right. And we get to talking, and I, I, I dared to tell him about it. And he looks back into the kitchen and says, Honey, Frank saw the wild man. 
And it turns out the people on that base also saw the Aberdeen Wildman. And that's huh. where I got the name. Awesome. I had validation. So and, there, they had a name and, for it. And since I've been doing local events in the Baltimore area, more people have been coming, to, especially who live along the Susquehanna River, have been coming to me telling me, oh, they know all about the Aberdeen Wildman. Because at the time, I could find nobody. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah, I I never really heard of it until until this weekend when we saw you here. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, now that's something I learned as I traveled and promoted the book. No matter where I was, Washington State, San Diego, no, doesn't matter. People would come and tell me their stories about their wild man, about their creature. There was a tribe when I was doing a show at a casino up in Washington State. There was a local tribe that came to my table, and they were telling me the story about this about the tree people. The stick people, they call them. And it turns out that, and this is not an ancient thing, it was something that was still ongoing. <coughs> Beings that resembled living, walking trees would come out of the forest at night and harass the village okay. and harass their people. So they're interpreting something as trees, maybe? or To they, them, they call it trees. Yeah. They, they, and I questioned wow. them on it. I mean, do they, do they have... Do they have branches that look like limbs? They said, no, branches for legs, branches for arms, trees. Like root? Yeah. Interesting. Wow, that was wild. Where was that at? That was up in uh, Washington State. Uh, A lot of weird stuff goes on in Washington State. Everywhere I go, everybody's got a story about their own corporeal creature. Yeah. Mothman's a beautiful, beautiful instance there to talk about because if it weren't for the uh, bridge collapse, most of us would probably have never heard of the Mothman. You're right. Yeah, probably not. You're yeah. right. Because of that, that story that was done by the Chicago newspaper, everybody heard about the Mothman. Mothman is a story of tragedy. Yeah. And that's how But the, the sightings of the Mothman go back to the late 50s, yeah. long, long before the yeah. bridge collapse. You haven't so. heard of any lately, though, or since then, that, that we know of. Have you heard of any? Yes. Two years ago when I was doing a show in DeKalb, Illinois, with my friend Denise Pridemore, Chris Houston, and other people. I met a paranormal group there who actually were hunting Mothman around Chicago, Lake Michigan and Chicago. It's been sighted out there. He's way. been sighted at no, O'Hare no. Airport, actually. I take that back. I read that. Yeah. Uh, we posted an article on it on our group page, Brian. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Mothman seen at uh, Chicago O'Hare, which kind of scares that. me. Uh, what's he doing around there? Especially airport? since. Don't be getting sucked into engine. The legend is he only shows up when shit's going to go bad. Oh, <laughs> shit. Brian, you just oh. said that, didn't you? Sugar. I did not, excuse my language. I did not. Oh, sugar, I man. did not think about that. Yeah. And that's not, he's that's been, been seen the, more than one. We got to look that yeah, up. He's been seen more than once. Something, and this is in my presentation because I also talk about the dog man and other cryptoids of the like, is the fact that. You know, the, the dog man used to be corporeal to, say, Michigan. Right. You know, that, maybe Wisconsin. Michigan, Wisconsin. Yeah. Now it's being sighted as far south as northern Kentucky, West Virginia. And yeah. why is that? Could it be the species mammal itself, as the cryptozoologists maintain, is migrating? Or are the people spreading it themselves? A little bit of both, you know. Mm -hmm. I think I think their Could population's be. growing and yeah. people are... Uh, <clears throat> We just had an incident where we're from in Indiana, northern Indiana. Um, I live just south of the Michigan border, and a bear was just hit two days ago. 
uh, in Indiana yeah. on one of our bear. main highways. We do not have bear in Indiana. I was Even at, southern Michigan, you will not I was actually listening to that on the radio on my way here. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, they were astonished, too. This does not happen here. No, and we talk about migration, and I'm thinking... Man, that thing just didn't get lost, you know. It no. had to come from a long distance, or they're slowly moving down and looking for food. I think we have to, I think everybody should do themselves well to admit a solid fact is that even with everything we've done for ourselves and how smart we think we are and how arrogant we are, to this day, we still don't know what's out there because to this oh, day yeah. science is still being surprised by what steps out of the woods comes up from the seas and wa- falls out of the skies yeah. oh yeah we're, we're naive sure. to think that we that we've discovered and know about everything and there's not things like bigfoot or wild men or or what or mothman out there uh because people are seeing them yeah. you know you saw what you saw you wrote a book about it you're not lying you know um so it's just so much to think about and, and to try to take in. So I don't think anyone will ever truly know the answers, but you know, you got to have some kind of surmise in, in, in all this somehow, some way. Right? Yeah. And in the, in the book, what made it a book is that I was able to examine all aspects of the things we call paranormal, all aspects of the things we call cryptozoological, and all right. aspects of the things we call alien UFO. And the characteristics that I found that they had in common raised a lot of red flags and there are things about the paranormal cryptozoological and alien UFOs they have in common that should not be science is science physics is physics and these th- some things they should not have in common they seem to have in common yeah that's yeah. highly suspicious yep. the question is is how much reality of it is there really and how much is spiritual or mm-hmm. not what appears to be reality to us yeah. but. And, and for people out there who are, who are tormented, you see, I, you have to understand also I encounter many, many people who are tormented and don't know where to go. You live in a day and age where, you know, we're creating networks and many, many other people who you can go and talk to and tell them your stories to. I get this everywhere I go. I set up at a Comic-Con. Of all things, a Comic Con. That's San Diego, right? I have done hundreds of Comic Cons. I can't get into that show. They they want eight hundred and fifty bucks starting for a table. I can't. I'm sorry, that's a mortgage payment. That's a lot. I'm not doing it. That's a lot. Uh, I'll I'll walk the streets uh, instead outside the the venue. There you go. But but you know, I set up at Comic Cons, and I got people coming to me at Comic Cons telling me their stories about being besieged in their home by things they can't see. There are people tonight who are going to get the living snot knocked out of them by something they can't see. But they're afraid to figure out how to deal with it. They're afraid of the judgment. They're afraid of the prejudice out there. But, you know, there's people out there who can help you with this. And, and you know, don't wait for a Comic-Con near you to run into a guy like me. Yeah, no right? Just okay. get a hold of you. Especially on, uh, if, you know, if you're listening to this podcast How can, how can right people now, get a hold can... of you if they, they need some help yeah. or advice, uh, advice yeah. or guidance, Frank? Yeah. You, your Facebook page or? Well, anybody can go. Anybody, everybody's got a Facebook page, even the FBI and the CIA. Right. And uh, that's a dime a dozen. But you can contact me through my webpage. And, for, for example, at uh, Steel City Con in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a few years back, ordinary girl with a bunch of other friends came walking up to me like any other 14-year-old girl, looked happy. She looked at the books on my table, asked me a couple questions, and I swear to you, 
within 60 seconds, I found myself in front of the table holding onto her and she was horribly sobbing on me because it turns out that this sweet 14-year-old girl had been living with a secret. She is so powerfully clairvoyant that she had been living her entire life with one foot in this world and one foot in the next. Wow. And where you would think that's a plus, she doesn't understand it. And she had spent her whole life being harassed by both the living and the dead. And so I connected her with a master psychic medium friend of mine to kind of guide her along. And well, the point is, she's not suffering alone anymore. Good. She's got at least somebody who can give her a little guidance. Yeah, right. They didn't ask for this. They were born into this world with this ability, and it comes in degrees. And they can't shut it off. There's no off switch. That'd be for hard them. for a, a kid to try to understand yeah. that, let alone normal life. Yeah, after something like that, you look in the mirror and you see zits. Well, that's the least of my problems. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know? You have no clue. So can they just uh, look up Frank J. Bennett? Does just it just com. Yeah, Google my full name. Make sure you put the J in there because if you leave yeah. the J out, you're going to get a creepy lounge singer in Las oh, Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> you sure that's not you? Not even close to your days. For that. You have the voice. And I can tell you probably you can, can hum a song or two. You can, you can, nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. No. Um, so Frank J. Birds Bennett. will fall out of the sky. Rats will run into their little dens. <laughs> Prairie dogs are fall over backwards dead. Right. Don't want it. Nobody wants to hear that. And uh, they can they can message me if they got real problems and to okay. my web pages. And uh, if I'm able to direct them, otherwise, yeah. I just recently got an email from somebody claiming to be so um, haunted and harassed by something in his house. How do I how do I get somebody to uh, exercise it? How do I get an exorcism done? And I, I replied, brother, start first with you. Uh, there's a story in, in the book of Matthew, uh, John, excuse me, where Jesus sends out the 12 on their own to cast out devils and demons. Uh, I'm using demons to be kind, but to cast out devils themselves. Two of them come back and they say, Master, there's this one that we couldn't remove and we don't understand why. Jesus goes and does it and they, they, they asked, how were you able to do that? And Jesus says, this kind, kind, can only be removed by prayer and fasting. Now, in the paranormal community out there, who has ever told you you can rid yourself of a haunting with prayer and fasting? Never heard it. Never heard that. Maybe prayer. Prayer for sure. But What's not the fasting, fasting do? And this is, well, in the Hebrew tradition and many other ancient traditions, fasting was a way of spiritual attainment. When you starve the body, you strengthen the spirit. That, uh, that's how. Okay. And even today, in, gotcha. in today's mysticism, you'll find it everywhere. Yeah. Um, hmm. As you notice by looking at me, I don't practice fasting. <laughs> you don't either. <laughs> I eat fast, but in fact, it's I was thing, thinking about going out there and get one of them hot dogs. Yeah, exactly. But, but <laughs> fasting, fasting without prayer is called a diet. Let's just make that simple. All right. But right. Take, I like that. Take a cue from Jesus. Start with you. You can be haunted the same as any structure or dwelling. Spirits consider you a home. And how hard would you fight to stay in your home? So if you make the home yeah. a toxic environment, the spirit will eventually tire and leave. That's what the prayer and fasting was all about. Yeah. Have a strong spiritual uh, inner self and keep the demons out, so to speak. I like that. that, that that's helpful. Yeah. 
You know, if you're having a bad day or if you're in a bad mood or you're just going through a time, you know, you got to just get your mind right and get those things out of there, right? Prayer and fasting, if practiced regularly, will provide you a spiritual adjustment and a surety in your spirit you did not have before. Because right now, let's face it, most people are walking around blind in the dark assuming that they know ghosts and what they're doing with them. Fact is, is that right. as dog knows dog and cat knows cat, spirit knows spirit. You have a spirit, and you know nothing about it. Nothing. Not yet. It's as foreign to you as the man on the moon. Yeah. However, spirit knows spirit. Yeah. So you as a paranormal investigator, when you walk through the door of a haunted assumingly haunted establishment they can read you like a book there's nothing you can hide from them right. and they can push buttons you didn't know you had they you know your spirit is not a mystery to them they read it if you awesome. want to be a better paranormal investigator strengthen your spirit get to know it hmm. it uh. is your best ghost hunting tool yeah when i encountered the wild man i sensed it i'm not clairvoyant please don't get me wrong i'm not psychic Somehow, spiritually, I sensed this thing. It was that powerful. I knew it was there before I saw it. Okay. A good, proper paranormal investigator must be able to do the same. Get in touch with your inner self, mm. is what we're saying here. <clears throat> Frank, we appreciate you hanging out with this man and talking in to us. Show. It's been yes. Uh, I'm glad you took this. It's been it's been, it's been a good it's conversation. It was my honor to be able to sit here with two men and basically do what you've been doing all day. Check check one two. Sybilis sybilis sybilis. I gotta make sure this is working. You got it. You got it. How's that sound? You got it. Well, we'll just get to back make to sure you. that we can record people like you. <laughs> right. You gotta That's have fun with life, guys. You're only gonna get this Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, we thank you again, man, and uh, we appreciate it, and we'll check you out. Yes. Been a sure. All right. And again, check out the. Uh, Encounter the with the Aberdeen Wild Man, yeah. a yeah. true story. A yeah, true story. Unlike those false Aberdeen Wild Man stories. Right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And my other and book, uh, of course, I've got a second book, by the way. I forgot to mention. That's right. What was the name oh, of that one? The other one? It's actually, it's actually, an, uh, it's fiction. It's paranormal science fiction. Okay. And I coined the term, and I Everybody want to nickel each and every time somebody says it. Yeah, okay. But it's actually called A Ghost in Philadelphia. I can see and that from here. Over I there. based the book on interviews I had done with people at hundreds of shows, some of which who actually claimed that they had, they have very vivid memories of doing very arcane things in times past, such as a man who told me he has an extremely vivid memory of building a wall in ancient Babylon. This wow. is different from past lives. Yeah, no kidding. I was going to say, are we talking reincarnation now, or what are we talking It's here? different from that, different from past lives, because it it's selective and it's vivid. Hmm. And wow. they question why they have them. And I get into a whole thing about reincarnation, but we don't have time for that. But the spirits do seek the sea. So Another episode. Yeah. yeah. All right, a ghost but in Philadelphia and the uh, Aberdeen Wild Man. Encounter, Encounter with the Aberdeen yes. Wild Man. Yes. So we appreciate it again, man. Been a blast. Been yes. awesome. I'm glad you took the time to come over and yeah. out of my busy I'm glad schedule. You took the time okay. to walk the 20 feet. Yes. To talk to 20 <laughs> whole feet. <laughs> we're just glad you're here. We got, we're glad we got to meet you guys. Yes, absolutely. A lot of cool people and, and here. My, so. my legs are killing me. Thank you. <laughs> all right. You take care, man. Y'all take care. Thanks all right, a lot. Frank, thank you. See you.